All right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. Oh, yes. Episode 3 in video. What is it, 30? 30, that Terrell Davis. Ooh, 30 on the podcast. Welcome into the Sims and Lefko Podcast. It's actually this... episode 31. Oh, it's 31. Yeah, wow. you guys are close. Okay, we need to readjust that. Uh, grade 31? <laughs> Who's a grade 31? Right 30, Wilbert bat? Montgomery. Oh, that's not the 31 I was thinking of. You, have to get back Jason to you. Jason Seahorn? Was... I, he was 31. Yeah. I did think of him, too. He was really good. Uh, Chris Sims and Lefko, we got producer Josh in the corner. Josh, why don't you wave to all your adoring fans? How's it going, everybody? Hello, oh, adoring fans. Yeah. We have uh, the beautiful, uh, of course, control room. Why don't we give them some love? They're just, this is this is us. This is our studio. This is beautiful. Oh, hello. Can everyone oh, wave, please. I see you, Steinmetz, back there. <laughs> and, of course, we actually have Gabe behind the camera. Gabe, just rub your hand, hands in front real quick. Yeah, that's Gabe's hand. Yeah. He, he's got a little upset. We weren't shouting him out. I know. We should have been. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned for you. Right. We uh, just had a big lunch from Tina's, yeah. which is an incredible Cuban place around the corner. A little bit worried about you. <laughs> we know you're not going to pass up a meal. <laughs> Only one thing better than food. You know what that is. What's that? Free food. Yeah. Yeah. You, Lots of I it. know where your mind went. But it, did. it did go there. I was like, you can't say that. We're just starting the podcast. <laughs> uh, so Tina's is open. We actually have a very packed show. I'll get to the joke in a second. We're going to talk about this interesting feud of quarterbacks in Washington, the misuse of Jimmy Graham in Seattle. Former head uh, Baltimore Ravens coach Brian Bellick is going to join us. Also OC for that incredible Minnesota Vikings team with Randall Cunningham, Randall Moss, Chris Carter. Going to get his takes. We're going to do picks because uh, – one of the two of us is really good at picking games. We'll get to that in a second, but I was surprised that we were able to even get food because the Pope is in town, and they're shutting down New York City. My family's freaking out because in Philadelphia, they're shutting down Philadelphia when he goes there, right. and then D.C. Just curious. Chris Sims' take on the Pope in town. What do you uh, think? Hey, the Pope, uh, he's a nicer guy, but he's ruining my commute to New York City and ruining it at home. I'm looking to get out of here as quick as possible today. Uh, the Pope messed up my cab ride this morning. How so? Man, Madison Avenue blocked off, and my dumb cab driver just kept going up Madison <laughs> Avenue. Like, he thought he'd be, we'll make him one of these left-hand turns. Uh, I can't see you being patient in a cab. Uh, it is hard for me. I want to tell the guy <laughs> to where turn, to go. Turn, left, <laughs> hit him. Oh, my god. That's gosh. the jersey in me. But, yeah, yeah. the Pope. Uh, man, is he trying to make us not want to go Catholic uh, coming in on rush hour on Thursday afternoon in New York City? And what's really funny is I think about someone who is known to come in and, and bring positivity. Right. Uh, a different plan than usual. Right. Uh, someone that was really, you know, a beacon of light. And now you're questioning him. I am. And I feel the same way about Chip Kelly. <laughs> he was my beacon of light. He was my hope. And the birds right now are 0-2. What's even scarier to me is their last in running o- rushing offense in the NFL was 70 total yards. Right. They're 25th in total offense. Right. Granted, they've been in the games with Atlanta and Dallas. 0-2. And you would think in Philadelphia, 
He went out there and punched Betsy Ross in the face and ripped off the Liberty Bell. They are talking about, get him out of town. He's stubborn. He's arrogant. I'm curious. I am torn. Everyone's coming to me, and I'm starting to lose faith. Right. Mr. Football Mind. Right. Should people begin losing faith in Chip Kelly, or is it R-E-L-A-X, like Aaron Rodgers said last yeah, year? Yeah, it is a little bit R-E-L-A-X. Listen, are there things to be concerned of? Sure, but, uh, you know, you're going to – if you want to fire Chip Kelly, he's going to get hired in five minutes by any other team in football. Ball, just about. Uh, uh, the, the thing so that's that, the issue. And I mean, and then Philly fans being a little over dramatic. Geez, I've never heard that story before. Yeah. Uh, you guys want Rich Kotite back? We can bring him back for you. So I do think everybody needs to pump their brakes. He's done very well in his first two years. Yeah. I understand the concerns. The thing uh, is, it's that, not so, all Chip Kelly's fault. So here's fault, what though. all the Eagles fans keep saying to me. Right. Excuse me, as I keep kicking your LeBrons. Don't do that. Um, Okay, well, he's the one that went out and made all these changes, and he has to do this. He knew it was going to be tough, and he's doing this. His system's not working. His players aren't great. He got rid of all the good players. My biggest fear is what you just said, is that Philadelphia fans, this might be the best coach we've had in a very long time. Right. And they're going to run him out of town because of what's going on. And so I'm trying to be patient. But I just don't think the city can. And I'm afraid also what this means to future coaches. If Chip Kelly experiences a bump in the road, and he gets kicked out of town, right. well, what am I going to do? Right. It's, it's, it just sounds like a very toxic situation. What do you think that locker room is like? Because it's a lot of new faces. Yeah, I, I'm sure. But I don't think the locker room's like, they're, they're not trying to overthrow the dictator here at this point. No, they're not. I, I think everybody's got to realize, first of all, first game of the year in Atlanta on a Monday night, that's not easy. Uh, second game of the year, okay. Defense was a whole lot better. Do you question Chip Kelly more? Or Sam Bradford more? Ooh, uh, right now I can equally question both, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm not happy with either one And when you evaluate sure. them on film. Uh, there's certainly some play-calling issues that I think could be changed to a degree. Yeah. Uh, but there's also physical issues, like Chip has said. They need to execute a little bit better. Offensive line has been pretty horrible. And Sam Bradford has been good but not great yeah. and certainly has missed throws. And my big thing with Sam Bradford, and I think we did a video early in the week, He's got to be more athletic in the pocket. I mean, this just stand there flat and just look around and do that. He's giving him no chance to move, giving himself no chance to move around in the pocket or get your feet in good positions to throw the ball down the field. And he's missed some throws that Sam Bradford should hit, and I know he used to hit all the time. It is remarkable when you look at the teams right now that are 0-2 and the teams that are 2-0, and we're going to get to that after we talk with Billick, but one of those 0-2 teams is the Seahawks. Mike Freeman here at Bleach Report. Props to him. Breaking the news that Jimmy Graham is really upset. No. Yeah. He hates the offense. Mike Freeman said he spoke with a few Seahawks. They hate his role. He said he's pissed off like 18 times in in the thing he did. We were at training camp. We saw the way they were using Graham. And we predicted it on this podcast that early on the season, Jimmy Graham was going to be upset. Yeah. You've looked at the film. How are they using Jimmy Graham right now? Just like any other normal tight end. I don't know really. Why would you trade away a Pro Bowl center to just get a tight end to come up and just be like, hey, just be a normal tight end. We're not going to do anything special for you. Uh, you know my concerns with that team. That offense well, is so, okay, so the, it's the, the worst offensive scheme in football. People don't realize that. It's a really so good So when you say that, team. everyone's going to go, okay, Marshawn Lynch's mom said this, all that. What about it scheme-wise are you like it's the worst? Well, it, it's just so simple. They basically run two run plays. 
The pass plays, it's a group of six or seven pass plays that are just recycled throughout the game every week. You watch it. They don't do a whole lot formationally. And, you know, they used to get away with it because they had an offensive line that could truly dominate you no matter what, then added with beast mode and Russell's ability to run. Sure. uh, It made it very tough to defend. Of course, that made the passing game Oh, that made that open up as well. Uh, but that's why I thought Green Bay would have more success mm. running the ball on Seattle than vice versa because there is nothing to be scared about in the Seattle pass game. Green Bay basically said, we'll put everybody in the box. We'll play man-to-man. You don't have pick plays. You don't have some of the creative concepts to take advantage of that. Uh, so, hey, Marshawn Lynch's mom, uh, she's, she's, <laughs> she, she said accurate. a lot of right things. She really did. And we've been critical of Darabella's offense. So what offense. would you do with Jimmy Graham more? Split him outside more? Just go for one-on-one matchups? Yeah, certainly do that. Uh, and at, at other times, too, be a little more creative when you do do t- two tight end sets. Let's get in some power running formations. Sure. I mean, Jimmy Graham's a big, strong man. I know he's not a great blocker. But, yes, Sean Payton, the reason that worked in New Orleans, it wasn't because of Jimmy Graham's, but Sean Payton, he, he's orchestrated his whole game plan on Around Jimmy Let's use Jimmy Graham as the guy the defense has to stop, and then we can do other stuff. Right now, there's nothing to stop in that offense except really Russell Wilson scrambling around. I think you're a good offensive mind, but I want to bring in one more who's equally as good. Brian Billick, NFL Network analyst. You can follow on Twitter, at Coach Billick. See Brian every Sunday on NFL Network's NFL Game Day first at 7 a.m. and throughout the week on Around the NFL at 6, total access at 7 Mr. Billick, Coach Billick, how are you? I, I assume you've been hearing our discussions about Daryl Bevel and that Seattle offense. As someone who orchestrated that offense in Minnesota, had a lot of success in Baltimore, what do you think about what Seattle is doing offensively? Is it as bad as Chris is saying? Well, you have to look at it within the context of, particularly for Seattle, Pete Carroll, it's all about the total. And when you're talking about them playing defense the way they do, their ability to run the ball, not just run the ball, but in beast mode, good, big, and physical. You know, everybody says they want to run the ball and play good defense. Well, if you want to run the ball and win, you better play great defense. And and obviously with Russell Wilson, he's not had to throw the ball more than 450 times a year. That's that's going to be the test now, is if he indeed has to get into that 5, 550, 600 throws on the year, like the other top 10 quarterbacks, I think he will do fine. We just haven't seen them do it. So far this year, the equation of great defense, run the ball, hasn't been there. So the offensive side of it, the passing game is as well. Right. It is really surprising when you look around the NFL at all the 0-2 teams, the Baltimore, the Indy, the Philly, the Seattle. When you first took over Baltimore in 99, you started off 0-2. You come back, you beat the Browns in week three. I'm curious, these head coaches – what is that locker room like right now with an 0-2 team? And what did you do, I guess, to say, hey, you know what, Let, let's, let's get out of this slump and let's start winning football games? Yeah, it's, in fact, I've been asked that a lot. And I've been asked a lot, Coach, did you ever go 0-2? I appreciate you reminding me that I did go 0-2. <laughs> uh, the difference being, there's a difference of starting 0-2, as we did in 99, with a team that hadn't been in the playoffs since its inception. So the expectations, you isolated it perfectly. The, the 0-2 for Baltimore, Indianapolis, Seattle is, is right now lethal compared to, you know, what, what did we really expect from Houston? How good did we think Chicago was going to be? Right. So that's the key right now. It's those teams and the expectations, and it, this is huge. I mean, it, it's an overused term, must win. I can't imagine Baltimore losing three in a row. And what they 
going forward. John Harbaugh do a great job, but and here's the challenge you have when you're an 0-2 coach. You know you got to get on the winning side of it, okay? So you, you're, you're selling out. Everything you can think of, guys, here are the three or four things we've got to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then you go out and you don't. Now what? Now the players come back going, okay, you know, you said this is what we needed to do and it didn't happen. Human nature at some point, the players are going to go, I'm not sure you know what you're talking about. Right. Well, Coach, I want to ask you about another, you know, big topic this week. And, of course, that's the Denver Broncos, the Gary Kubiak-Peyton Manning relationship. You know, uh, you as a head coach, just observing that, how would you handle that situation where you have a quarterback, of course, that physical skills have declined but has been successful? You know he has a certain group of plays that he's always liked to get to, but Gary Kubiak wants to infuse his system to the team as well. I just would like to know how you kind of would have approached that uh, back in your head coaching days. Well, it makes sense, obviously, for Denver in the offseason. You know this is what the conversation had to be. John Elway saying, look, Peyton, we, we don't want you to be a 650-throw guy. Right. You yeah. may not last the season. We'll run the ball. We're going to play great defense. Do what I did. This is John Elway talking now. Yes, Do right. what I did at the end of my career. Give yourself over to the process, and let's get a couple Super Bowls. Okay, that sounds great. But now so far, and, and I wrote the other day, and, and probably used the wrong term when I was tweeting it, Peyton looked uninterested. Right. Uninvolved. Right. You know, particularly last week. Probably a bad use of term. Of course, it's important to him. But he seemed disengaged, even on the sideline. I agree. With the quarterback coach looking. Right. Now, all of a sudden, they get in the two minutes, and boy, he just he, he comes alive. I understand what they're trying to do. I don't know that for Peyton Manning, it's what you ought to be doing. Right. How about this? How about, And you know how hard it is to prepare for Peyton Manning. And Gary Kubiak's system is a great system. Right. How about you work the two together? Yeah. How about you go in and out of that's a defensive coordinator's nightmare. You're, I mean, I've got to get ready for two tight end, zone running scheme, play action pass. Right. And, oh, by the way, i got to get ready for Peyton Manning to do his Omaha, Omaha Right, bit. right. That could be lethal. I think they've got to get there. I, I totally agree with you. In fact, we made a video earlier in the week yeah. saying that they got to try to find a way to infuse it there. Uh, do you mind if I butt in for Please. one more quick question? I want to ask you one more question just for you personally. Uh, I have tremendous respect for you. You're one of the more underrated head coaches uh, to really ever be in the NFL. You won a Super Bowl. Why did you never get another legitimate chance to be a head coach? And I would just like you to open up about your personal feelings about that. Well, you know, it's, it's – it, it was, it's been an interesting trek over the last seven, eight years. I enjoy what I'm doing. Right. And I will tell you this, had I gone back into coaching, and I'm done. I, I, I'm definitely not. I'm 61 years old. I'm not going back into coaching. You look really comfortable uh, in that chair. Now and, uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. It, it's, it's sitting back and enjoying the Chesapeake and chasing my grandson around. Um, and if I didn't have the ring, I might have a different perspective. There's things I miss about coaching. I will tell you this, though. And I had a few conversations with some people. When you've had the first marriage like I did with an Ozzie Newsome, right. you have a pretty good sense of what you're looking for, what it takes to win. Uh, kind of hard to duplicate that. I'll tell you this, one of the best things that I had an opportunity to do when I was doing the game for Fox, every Friday I got to sit in a different facility watching practice, talking to coaches, players, general managers, personnel people, sat in virtually every facility in the NFL if I were to have gone back to coaching, I would have been a better coach. Right. Just for the experience, can you imagine, to put it in business parlances, 
get to sit in your competition's boardroom uh, every week for, for 22 weeks, right. uh, you'll learn a lot. And, and it's, it's been a great experience. I've enjoyed it. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. Brian, with that perspective of having met all these coaches, one thing we love to do on our show, this podcast, is really give a lot of credit to, to coordinators, offensive and defensive coordinators that never get love. Who are some young offensive minds that – really have um, jump out to jump you. out to you in terms of being uh, innovative and creative and doing things different on that side of the ball wow that's interesting uh, obviously that was one of the best things and I do get asked by a lot of people that are in the head coaching market that very same question Ooh. who sh- who should I be looking at uh, there's any number of the first one that comes to mind is Ray Horton in Tennessee yes the job he did in Arizona Arizona's they are right now and as good a job as Todd Bowles did it began with Ray Horton and him putting that design and that group together right. went and, and kind of put the groundwork together for Cleveland uh, and now given the time he'll do a great job in Tennessee as well uh, I think Ray Horton uh, uh, does, a, does a great job um, there's any number of other guys out there if you look on the offensive side there's a you know obviously I'm biased by some of the my young coaches out there I think Greg Roman who was with me in Baltimore will prove that he's uh, he's a pretty He's a pretty darn good coach right. and can adapt. He's been around a lot of different uh, systems. Uh, Terrell Austin, Detroit, last year did a fabulous job. I really didn't know much about him. Uh, it's been interesting to see how he's evolving. Um, and frankly, uh, you got to right now, at least so far, give uh, some credit to uh, Kyle Shanahan and what he's doing. Obviously, he, he came in with Matt Ryan, okay? So that's a pretty good starting point. But I think he's done an excellent job in converting into that system down in Atlanta. All right, I got one other question that was a big, big talker this week, the Washington Redskins quarterback issue there. If you're a coach and it's gotten to this point, and let's say Jake calls you up and says, Brian, man, I need some advice. What do you tell him about how to, how to handle what's going on in that quarterback room? I tell him uh, punt. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's tough anytime and, and Jay Gruden has put himself out there and so far it looks like they're gonna do okay. When he sat down with Dan Snyder, you know that Kirk Cousin and Colt McCoy's name never came up. Right. That interview was all about can you get R G three to be what we anticipated when we took him with the second overall pick. So it it had to be uh, he had to extend himself to now like a Mike Shanahan did, hey, we gotta go with this other guy. Um, and that's a lot to tell ownership. And what compounds it is that other guy is sitting in the building every day. Yes, every right. day he walks through the door, he's reminding Bruce Allen, GM, and, and uh, Dan Snyder, the owner, you made this mistake because Jay Gruden didn't draft him. So you better be good with Kirk Cousins. We're talking about that on around the league today. Uh, is Kirk Cousins the guy? We're going to find out. They got a good defense, really good one-two running back combination. Kirk Cousins... He's got almost a full body of work as a starter, about 14 games. When you look at those, if you extrapolate it over a full season, you're looking at better than 4,000 yards, 64% completion. Now, 24 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. And they seem to come in bunches. If he can eliminate that, right. then Kirk Cousins shows every sign that he can be a solid starter for you in the NFL. Agreed there with you because that Redskins defense, I think, is for real, too. Uh, all right, I got to ask you one la- This will be the last question. We'll let you go so you don't have to deal with us nitwits anymore. I need to ask you one Randy Moss question. Just when, <laughs> I just want to hear one good story. Randy Moss, I mean, I'm sure you were shocked that you even got him in the first round when you did, but when you got him in Minnesota, 
Minnesota, was he, you know, person, personality-wise different than you expected? Was he more talented than you even expected? Uh, of course, because he's one of the freakiest athletes to ever come in the NFL. Yeah, I will tell you when, uh, when draft comes and Denny Green comes to me, he says, I think we're going to get Randy Moss. And we're picking like 21-22. Right. And I'm thinking, Denny's been smoking dope. So <laughs> no way. We're going to get Randy Moss. And then as the day you know, continued on and he fell past Dallas and he got past 12, right. I'm thinking, my God, we're going to get Randy Moss. So I'm getting jacked up. And I'm just thinking, okay, how can we use this guy? We've got Chris Carter. We've got Jake Reed, Andrew Glover, Robert Smith running back. I'm getting fired up. So about a month later, Chris Carter, and we got Randy Moss. Chris Carter called him, and he had had Randy down in his training camp. Right. He says, Brian, he says, you have no idea how good this guy is. He says, I know, Chris, he's phenomenal. I look in the field and goes, Brian, no, you have no idea how good this guy is. <laughs> Chris, and just this time he spent with him, and so the very first, I remember the very first practice, he runs like a go-route. And I'm like any coach, okay, he goes, and and and, and I'm going to go correct him. I'm going, no, 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 you can't. No, nah, you can pretty much do it that way. <laughs> His ability to hold off a defender, like this, he's at top speed. Right. Get into the next gear, leap. We've had leapers. We've had good speed. We've never had anybody that could leap off of a dead sprint like Randy Moss and had the hands that he had. Absolute freak of nature. I had a different Randy Moss now. I had him as a rookie. Yes. He was upset. He was going to show the league. He was very pliable, very much wanted to learn. Now, obviously, going down the way, that can change a little bit, and a little bit of the diva personality that will happen with guys. Sure. But I had a very different Randy Moss. He could not have been a better player, a more coachable player, and what an absolute freak of nature. Awesome, awesome. story. Really appreciate it, Coach Billick. Again, Brian Billick, NFL Network analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Billick. Coach, you are the man, dude. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks. Do it again. Thanks, awesome. Coach. Be good, man. We might have to do it again. That was, that was, was really good. It was pretty good. Yeah, Billick, he's you not need, afraid that to was share. A, that was a great job by you up top. Why? For what? Randy Moss. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had to ask that. I can't even imagine what he was like coming oh, out of Marshall. I mean, Sims? Sims? You might have the best hands on the team since. He, he well, told you you're the best hands. Well, right? I, I love that. I love to brag about myself. But, yeah, we played a lot of games. in the. In, Was this in Tennessee? This is Tennessee. He had been in Minnesota earlier that year. They released him. He comes to Tennessee. Uh, first of all, he's a blast to have in the locker room. Randy Moss, so much more, so much more intelligent than people, I think, ever realized. Mm. Football intelligence off the charts. Work ethic. Pretty darn good. One of the best I was ever around. Now, he was up there in age at my point, but still right. trying his best to work out hard as could be every day. Uh, and then, yes, I mean, whether it would just be wearing chinchilla, chinchilla <laughs> fur, fur coats, coats on the plane that just got everybody excited. Yeah. Uh, he did have some – we did do some, you know, cards, poker in sure. the locker room. But – our games on the practice field, I'll never forget. You know, we played the old game where it was two points if he hit the guy in the head, one point if he hit him in the chest, and me and him would just sit there and go back and forth. And then we started doing games one-hand catch. He started to see – I, of course, was telling him, hey, my hands are as good as yours. <laughs> You're crazy, Sims. That's how he talked. You're crazy, crazy white boy. And then he, uh, and then he told you And that- then a few weeks later, he saw me catch a few balls after we have been playing. He goes, Sims, Sims, you might have the best hands on the team.
It's funny, you're doing a Randy Moss impression. I'm hearing Phil Simms come out of you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's my, uh, just my southern in general. You heard uh, Billick right there talking about he would just punt. And it's funny when people talk about the RG3, Kirk Cousins situations, they just they always give that shroud of doubt with Dan Snyder. Right. Well, it's really hard because the owner wanted him. We're past that. He wanted him. That's great. That's not the answer. It's moved on. Yes. Have you been in a quarterback room where this is according to our Jason Gull, right. who said this earlier, they really don't like each other. They don't talk to each other. Right. Have you either been in a quarterback room or seen a position room? It doesn't have to be quarterback. Yeah. Where they really didn't like each other? Well, I I think, you know, I went through it a little bit with Major Applewhite early on in my Texas career sure. because he had said and done things that to, behind my back to me that I just didn't think were professional mm. or teammate-like. Uh, so I had some angst there with him, especially early on in my Texas career. Now, we got over it and we grew as people, uh, but that makes it for a very uncomfortable room. It really does. It's does just, the quarterback room, though, lead to the entire team room? For, for the, yeah, for the most part, Did yes. that bleed into the rest of the roster? I, I do think think so that's why that's why I think so so many times you see these organizations they try to avoid the quarterback controversy all training camp they want to frame their team to something positive this is our leader you've said this for a while they sometimes get the lesser talented backup quarterbacks so that the starting quarterback doesn't feel challenged exactly right so what do you think it's like really like in that I think it's very uncomfortable I think RG3 is probably really having a hard time the fact that he's not getting attention he's not playing Kirk Cousins is playing well he's having success uh, so there's that competitive part where he he probably wants Kirk to fail to a degree uh, so he can go out there and play uh, but regardless yeah I think it's been a weird relationship from everything I've been told over the last few years to begin with yeah uh, and yes Billix talks about the Dan Snyder thing but hey we just can't forget he is enemy number one in this situation. This is problem is here because of Dan Snyder. Mm. He made all the trades to get RG3. He empowered him when he got there. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other. Now, there, there's probably other examples sure. of, uh, you know, rooms not getting along with each other, DBs who might not like each other, defensive linemen. Wasn't there a fight in one room that you were in? I, I, well, I had a locker room fight between Wesley Woodyard, middle linebacker, and Jabbar Gaffney, the old receiver. That happened in the locker room. But, right. see, people don't realize, like, it's 53 guys. You're not going to like everybody. Not everybody in this Bleacher Report office likes me. I know that. Uh, <laughs> nor do I even really give a crap either. Or I don't give a sh-t. That's what I should Ooh, say. Yeah, there's my cuss word. Uh, but all I can do, and, and what happens in a locker room, you work hard. Everybody's working towards the same goal. Worry about yourself. Yeah. Because if, you, if you're playing well, you don't got to worry about me as the backup trying to steal your job. It's, so, not, it's a mute point. Here's the interesting thing about Washington. When – the, uh, the Eagles lost to Dallas. The Giants are 0-2. You kind of look at Washington and go, they right now could be in the driving seat to win the NFC East. They have a very talented wide receiving core when Deshaun Jackson comes yep. back. I Jordan Reed is serviceable. Matt Jones and Alfred Morris is right now is looking like a top 10 running back duo, maybe even higher right. if Jones continues to do this. Right. Great offensive line with Trent Williams and rookies there. Defense, it really is all going to come down to Kirk. Where is your confidence level with Cousins? It's higher after these first two weeks. Other than the first half interception against the Dolphins, if anybody remembers, he's scrambling around and then just throws it real late out in the flat. It gets picked off by Grimes. He right. like steps out of bounds at like the eight or nine yard line. Other than that, he's been very good with the football. Uh, he was unfortunate with another He's going to have this job all year. I, I, if, as long as he takes care of the football, that's the only thing that's plagued this kid throughout his career. He's smart. He ain't afraid to pull the trigger into mm. tight windows, which is good and bad because it's got him in trouble. But his throwing, I think, has become better as far as 
I, Kirk Cousins in the last year, the year before, when he missed a target, he would literally throw it five feet over somebody's head. Now his missed throws are a foot or two out of direction. So that, they've changed the identity of their football team with Bill Callahan as the off, uh, yes. offensive line coach. That's the big thing. That was their best free agent acquisition. <laughs> offensive line coach from the Cowboys. You take him away from a rival, and then you bring him there. Uh, they're a power-running football team, and that's made Kirk Cousins' life easier as well now because it's brought in play action and bootlegs where he can get some easy completions. And you said Jordan Reed. Yeah. Jordan Reed has been phenomenal. Watch out for Jordan Reed. If you're watching football, if you got Jordan Reed on your uh, fantasy lineup <laughs> or whatever that crap is, uh, he'd be a guy I would have in there because he's ultra-talented. The NFC East what are is you? Are you going to say something? Yeah, no, I, well, I was just going to ask you, you sound like you're pretty confident in Robert Griffin or uh, in Kirk Cousins. So what is next for RG3? Yeah. RG three, I think he's got to just get out of there. I th- and just I think new team, happen. new situation. I hope. Well, I would imagine which team out there maybe isn't going to use RG three the, the most. Cowboys? But what is the best situation <laughs> for him to go to? Yeah, well, he needs to be in an offense. I feel like if Bill Belichick picked up RG three, we'd all be like, man, I'll tell you what. Bill Belch, he's going to turn this guy around. He's well, going to do something right. You know, Bill, at the end of the day, though, the first thing is he wants you to be standing in that pocket and make throws. He doesn't so care. That he, well, so I, that's, of course he will. I know. Bill Belch, but but, yeah, where would be the perfect yeah, situation? Yeah, well, I mean, that's such a tough question to ask me right off the Don't bat here. Don't say the Eagles. Well, I, I, the Eagles, that offense could certainly fit. I mean, I, I do think that's some part of your run problems is right. that you don't have the quarterback to scare that extra defender in the box. Uh, but that comes to mind. But he does need to be in an offense similar to that to where at least they move the quarterback a lot. Uh, there is going to be somewhat of a threat of him running from time to time. Uh, you know, teams like him make sense. Hey, send him up to Seattle. Let him be second fiddle to Russell Wilson. Let him learn how to be a professional. Russell Wilson, even though I don't always that agree with That quarterback room would be so but, ridiculous. But the good thing is he goes up there. Russell Wilson with his concussion water and then RG3 <laughs> with just RG3. There's going to be some drama, but, but Russell Wilson is a professional. At, he attacks his job very seriously. Sure. And that's the kind of place where I think RG3 goes up to and goes, they don't need me. They, they can win without me, and uh, he'll have to get in line. NFC East, I think, right now is a mess. We'll see how the Cowboys bounce back. Cowboys they still are look legit. Good. They ain't going anywhere. Okay. So I'm just, you know, I'm not saying they're going to win the division. I have a lot of confidence in the Cowboys. Yeah, I know you do. But I'm just saying people, like, want to say, oh, Romo yeah, and Whedon. You know, Whedon's better than people realize. Uh, get Cleveland out of your head. Cleveland was the most dysfunctional team in football when he was there, so that's a tough situation. Yes. Uh, I'm not giving up faith there. AFC East right now, though, is looking more and more tough and physical. The Jets look good, right. now 2-0. The Bills, they came back and made it a game with the Patriots. Right. Patriots, obviously, and the Dolphins. We were all thinking maybe this could be the year yeah. that all those teams catch up to the Patriots. Where is the gap right now between the Patriots and everybody else after two weeks? I think it's as big as ever. Really? Yeah, I do. I think the other teams are really good, and they they have gotten better. But it's everybody forgot that New England got better too. This New England football team is better than last year's Super Bowl team. They really are. They have really no glaring weakness to their football team at all. Last year, I would have said maybe run defense, offensive line was average. Offensive line is pretty legit. The the three rookies they got rotating in there. We've made how many videos on their front seven? Yep. Uh, it's unbelievable. And yeah, I, I think. People also got to realize this Malcolm Butler kid, he is legit. Now, really? he's going to get burned a little bit because, you know, people got to realize Darrell Rivas always, ca- uh, always covered the second receiver. 
He always gotcha. gets number two. He never had to take on – if they took on, you know, uh, let's just say the Detroit Lions, yes. he wasn't going to cover Megatron. He, he was, was going to go Golden Tate. Tate. Right. That was, that was really how they used it. Uh, Malcolm Butler, they're not running that type of defense now. So, at times, he's got to cover Antonio Brown five plays right. in a row. And you might – Antonio Brown's going to get open eventually. But uh, he is phenomenal. Uh, and, yeah, they got it all, man. I'm telling you. And Brady's throwing the ball better than ever. And, you know, I've been a guy that's been more critical of him than anyone. Yeah, what would you say to Tom right now? Well, I would say – Tom, you're on fire. Keep doing what you're doing. That's nice. Yeah. And he would say, hey, thanks, man. Thanks. He'd say, thanks. So stop um, bashing me for Deflategate. I have a question for you. Young quarterbacks, Derek Carr gets a huge win over the Ravens. Bam. Mariota looked pretty good. Jameis gets his first win right. against the Saints. Right. Of those three guys, which one would you want to build around right now? Oh, man. That is GM a- Chris Sims, you get Derek Carr, Mariota, Winston. Which guy? You know, if we're just taking this second right, right now, now right this now. second right now, I, I think I might go Derek Carr just for the second, just because he's got a few more games. Now let's go for the future. For the You're future, building for the future. I'm still hanging in there with Jameis Winston. Now, Marcus Mariota is making me think twice a little bit about it. I have been very impressed. Uh but Jameis Winston, to me, is just a natural at the position. Again, last week, that's not the most creative offense you'll see in the world. And I understand that Saints defense is not the greatest thing either. But the amount of big-time throws he makes, under pressure, just little slight movements in the pocket, the things you just really can't teach at the position, mm. uh, he is just a natural. That's the only way I can really say it. Um, uh, this is uh, – I look, I'm not – I'm an Eagles fan. What were, what were his stats last week, Winston? Uh, give me one second. Oh, I'll look that up. Yeah. Uh, as you watch Josh research, which I think is really exciting stuff, uh, Jason Witten in the game leaves the game two sprained ankles, yeah. messed up knee, right. can barely walk, but he says, I'm playing Sunday. You know it. That, to me, you got to respect that guy. Jason Witten, to me, the indomitable image is his helmet coming off and he's running down the field like 40 yards. Yeah. Were there any guys that you played with? Beginning of the week, you're like, there's no way this guy's playing, and he always played. Real I mean, quick. Who was the most banged up guy? Right. Jameis was 14 of 21, 207 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Uh, pass rating was 114.6. Yeah, and that just tells you 14 completions for over 200 yards. Yep. I mean, they're just they're not He's getting a lot. The ball yeah, down the field. yeah, they push it. Uh, banged ooh. up guys that still played on Sunday. Ooh. Toughest guys that you've played with, seen, or that you were like, man, this guy, I'm so happy I don't have to play him, and yet he's on the field and he's still going after Gosh, you. I mean, that, that's a lot. Well, the one guy that I will stick out my mind maybe from just from my own teams, I think in a Tampa Bay early on, I mean, Derek Brooks, he was getting up there in age, and in some games he had to make a lot of tackles, those physical games. I was like, man, there's no way this old man can be able to play next week. I mean, he's old. He can't do this. <laughs> Hey, Derek, you're old. <laughs> but uh, he would be a guy, yeah, he looked crippled walking around the locker room Monday, Tuesday. But then come Thursday, Friday, here he comes again. Uh, and then Saturday, you know, Sunday, here he is playing and right. one of the key contributors. He jumps out to my mind right away. Uh, man, the Tennessee Titans, guys like Kyle Vandenbosch. You remember Kyle Vandenbosch? Absolutely. We used to wear the red contacts. Uh, he would be a guy, it was like no matter what happened to him, what they, dra- they dropped a cinder block on his head, and he'll be ready to play Sunday. It didn't matter. <laughs> like, it just didn't matter. Sure. Uh, those are two guys that really jump out to me. Um, but Jason Witten. Jason, he's just that's a baller. Sick. He is. And Jason Witten, the thing I love about him, too, I mean, he, he runs already like his ankles and knees are broken. He's like Fred Flintstone. They don't even move. They just go, no, 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 But he no, is no, no, an amazing no, no, no. all-around tight end. That's awesome. And a baller. Uh, okay, so there's a, a laundry list right now of teams that are 2-0, and and there's a nice long list of teams that are 0-2. 2-0 um, teams. Pats we know are for real. Right. Packers we know are for real. Right. Um, 
The, the rest I'm not the, the most sure about. Go through them. Um, yeah. Arizona, I, I, Arizona's win against Chicago looked good. Not as impressive on film as I expected. Okay, so Arizona's 2-0. And right. the, the true thing is, is everyone, look, I will heap as much praise on Bruce Arians. He is no incredible. Doubt. But the teams he beat, exactly. as you said, right. Saints and Bears, not exactly word, world beaters. Right. How for real are the Jets in your mind? The Jets are very good, uh, like we've always said on, on paper. Excuse me. Uh, I didn't even eat lunch yeah, yet. I am the one that ate the yeah. Cuban food. Uh, and That's you're not sweating. That's I'm really impressive. Sweating. But I think uh, the Jets are for real. I mean, they're, 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 there's not one team they're going to play in football this year, and they're going to get on the field and go, ooh, we're not as good as them. So they're going to be in every game. What is keeping them from being a guaranteed playoff I, I team? I think the big thing play? is, yeah, yeah, it's certainly one of the big issues. And I think all, the overall offensive passing scheme is going to yes. be the big question. You know, we did our matchup, right, Fendrick? We yep. did the matchup. We said it wasn't about – we watched, I watched that Colts game. I knew the Colts were going to sell out to the run. They are going to sell out to stop the run because that Jets O-line. Fitzpatrick beat us. You're right. They're going to make Fitzpatrick beat us. And there they were, the Jets dominating the game, dominating the game. And it was 10-7 to late in the third quarter. Yeah. And Frank Gore had already fumbled the ball at the one-yard line going in. So uh, that, to me, is going to be the so thing going forward. So the Jets are going to be in every game, right. but they're not going to run away with any they game They should have beat the Colts by 30. Yeah. I mean, that shouldn't have been a 20-7. So that's, that's that should have been 20-7 at the end of the first quarter. That's the Jets' strength and weakness. Let's right. Go. Before we get Nelson in here, yes. are you giving out your ballers of the week this week? Yeah, let's do that okay. right now. Thank you very much. we got five minutes until Nelson comes Damn, in. I right. already forgot my ballers of the week. Ballers of the week. You oh, you typed it up. Offense, too. yeah, I'm getting a little serious right now. Unsung heroes of the week. We like to, to shout out the fat guys. Yeah. Offensive lineman. I, I haven't even heard this name before, but you came to me and said this dude killed it. Well, it, this is a defensive lineman, though. Oh, you're talking about him. He did do really well. Sorry. Say his name. Brandon Linder, right guard Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about Ndamukong Sue. So, of course, everybody, oh, Ndamukong Sue is freelance. What are you whispering over there? And Dominic is freelancing. No, he's not freelancing, first of all. Uh, and we made a video yes. on it so people can see that. But second of all, um, Brandon Linder did a very good job just physically standing up one-on-one situations with Sue, which is just about as impossible as it gets at that I position. I can't even imagine. So lots of respect there. And then your two D linemen. Man, my two D linemen. Al Woods of the Tennessee Titans. People might not know him. I've never uh, heard of him. But he is a really good nose tackle. Was Kicked what Alex Mack, who's one of the better centers in yeah. football's butt a little bit well, in Cleveland. Browns. So that was impressive. Uh, and then Stephon Tuitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I had a sack and a half, but all over the field, he's their best defense alignment on that Steelers team. That was a big draft pick at a Notre Dame. That really was. He's I mean, a phenomenal that, that player. That went under the radar. He was a guy that I remember we were talking about being maybe a fringe first right, rounder. Right, right. Uh, we also, of course, like to shout out the offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. Love that Billick gave Kyle Shanahan some love Yeah, there. he gave Kyle He definitely some. did. Right. Uh, OC is a guy that's been around the league for a long time, but what you saw this weekend, you're like, can we show him some love? Yeah, well, please? he's got to get some love. Todd Haley, I mean, they're, they're doing historic things on the offensive side of the football, and they don't even got two of their better players out there. Bell's coming back. Martavis Bryant will be back in two more weeks. Uh, but, yeah, Todd Haley, I just think overall the balance of throwing the ball down the field, little cute screens, game plans for the receivers, screens for the, for the, uh, the running backs coming yes. out of the backfield, and then doing all that – he has the right balance of the run game as well. He doesn't let anybody just say, oh, this is what they do, and we're going to put all our eggs in that basket. And then who would you pick as your defensive coordinator of uh, the Oh, week? Joe Barry, baby. Redskins defensive coordinator. Uh, first of all, awesome dude. Uh, yeah. I was with him in Tampa before. He was part of our defensive staff there with Monty Kiffin, Mike Tomlin. But uh, – not running the Monty Kiffin Tampa 2 scheme. He's really running more of the Baltimore. Uh, he came from uh, Pagano, Chuck Pagano's brother out in San Diego, and his name is John 
Pagano, excuse me, but they do their defense top notch. They're very sound, and they do enough things creatively. Those Redskins, they're they're like the New York Jets. Right. They are not going to get on the field this year and go, oh, we're physically overmatched. They are going to be as good or better than everybody they got and on the look, field. You can have the pieces like the Dolphins do, but right. you have to execute. You got and that's to. where. So right. OC, DC, Haley, and Barry. Before Nelson comes in, I just want to finish up the two and O teams. Panthers, Falcons, Broncos, Bengals. Right. Who do you like out of there to be around towards the end of the year? Well, I think the Panthers and the Broncos will be there. Just you think so? Yeah, I do. The Panthers' defense is so good. Uh, and then they have the great equalizer in Cam Newton, which is mm. another guy. Can we give a little respect to? I mean, all they do is, like, play ugly every week. They don't do anything for the quarterback. He's yeah. amazing. And then the Broncos, hey, Peyton Manning's, uh, we know, he, he ain't that great anymore. But their team is really good. That's why I think Billick was right. they got to find the right infusion because you can't play fantasy Peyton Manning. We're going to throw 50,000 wide receiver screens and all these pick plays. They can't win the Super Bowl like that because they're going to play a Seattle or somebody else like Indy, or Indy last year when they yeah. played real aggressive. They took that away. Peyton's not good enough to stretch the defense out anymore. And I know you think the Bengals are the most talented team in the NFL right now, but... Bengals, I think, other than the Patriots, are playing better football. And, yeah, hey, Big Red's going to have to perform. That's really all it is. But Big Red looks phenomenal. Andy Dalton looks phenomenal. He looks phenomenal, yes. Really? You know who else looks phenomenal? Jay Cutler looks really phenomenal, too. Oh, no, I was going to say Steven Nelson looks uh, really phenomenal. Let him in here. Wait, hey. really? Wait. T- but as Nelson comes in, Nelson's a big time Bears fan. Oh. Tell him what you saw from Jay Cutler. Man, Jay it's Cutler. Positive. It's guy. positive. What? What? Poor guy. Okay, I'm coming back. So, coming what back. do you see about Jay Cutler? Jay Cutler. I mean, first of all, I think he was what eight of nine was, for 120 third? yards and a touchdown. On the third. interception was not not oh. as great as throw. Week one. Uh, I know his final stat line. We talked about this. Right. His final stat line wasn't great, but on third downs, when they needed to move it. Yeah, and he said in game two game he looked two, really he was, good. He was really good. I, I feel bad for him. Made some great. You know what they did too? They did some read option. The Bears really Cumbly kept it a few times and ran for over ten yards each time. Yeah, I, I feel really bad for him because yeah. I think this is the year he could have maybe shut up a lot of people, mm. and now he's going to miss some time. Uh, that game though, I would be encouraged a little bit. That was not as bad as I thought. So we talked to Casey Hayward of right. uh, the Packers a couple right. of days ago. And, you know, we were kind of joking around, like, hey, Casey, take it easy on my Bears next level. He's like, listen, man, like, you got pieces there. They do. You got pieces there. They're just a new coaching staff. They're still trying to gel and put it together. Like, I wouldn't stress out as much as as everybody else. And you think Will Sutton's playing well? Will Sutton, the defense in general really was pretty good. Really the difference in the game was two big pass interference calls down the field, which I give Bruce Arians credit because he pushes the ball down the field. Absolutely. But – uh, the defense did play well. They, the, the Arizona only had 300 total yards of offense. It was 185 from Carson Palmer, 115 running the ball. That's a good defensive day. Did, really good. Did day. Larry Fitz have all 185? <laughs> I feel like he did. He, he had a lot. But the, the cool thing about them is they got guys like John Brown and Geron, and Jaron Brown right. who yeah. were like under the radar, but really good number threes and number fours. Yeah, Michael Floyd. I know. We, we don't, that's what I mean. He's the number two. And they got the Fells guy. And then hey, they got David Johnson coming to the backfield. Which, I don't. I will never question Bruce Arians because he is the freaking man, and he's from Jersey, so he's double the man, and he wears cool hats. Yeah. But the they got a Chris Johnson. They need to start playing David Johnson. Yeah, Chris Johnson could play. He can't be the main guy. He's just not as talented as this David. David Johnson gets the ball, and you go, wait, who is that? Hol- what? Holy cow! I mean, he's just big and he's fast, and yeah. give him the ball more. You know what? That's what I think about Steven Nelson when you the give music me the starts on the download. Can you give me the ball? Yeah, I see him. I'm like, we got to give it to him. All His right. girlfriend uh, was here last week. Yeah, I know. 
Adam, Chris, is the music drops, so does my voice. Mm. And the first question for on the download, Brandon Whedon. Oh, my Taking over for America's team in <laughs> Dallas. Tony Romo is hurt, but Brandon Whedon says, I have to take the bull by the horns. Right. My question for you two is, if you could ride any animal in the world <laughs> as a form of transportation, right. what would it be? Oh, I, I mean, my first thing went to giraffe. What? I would love it. Yeah, you couldn't I'm see where you're going. Like, this, like holding on a giraffe. Like <laughs> kind of cool. Be taller than everybody. Could see over traffic. Yeah, I think it's a good one. So right. not only are you riding the giraffe, but you're riding it in New York City where there's traffic <laughs> right. and you need to see over. Hey, I gotta get, get to Grand, Grand Central. I okay. gotta get. I gotta avoid the Pope. Oh, hey, right. Pope, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> Jimmy the giraffe, let's go. Uh, my first thought was to go Game of Thrones dragon style, but if, obviously this is in this, this world, is, yeah, real. So it's real. Yeah. Uh, a rhinoceros. Ooh. I feel like I would have the battering ram potential, right? But also, like I feel like I can give it a little kick to the side and just take off. They're what is amazing. the type of goat or ram that could just go up mountains? Oh, just, they're mountain just goat? rams, just rams. Yeah. Well, but I didn't know if there was like a particular. Wait, did you hear how excited he was by rhino? Do you do you, you like rhinos? Huh? Uh, well, my my rhino. You know, when I had to go to, we used to at our end of Texas training camp, we used to go to Red McCombs Ranch in Texas. <laughs> what? He yeah. would have a barbecue for the football team. Okay. And he was the greatest collector of African animals in the country. On his, he had, I think, a 20,000-acre farm. This is like a farm. billionaire booster yeah, for the University of Yeah, billionaire booster, right, used to own the Spurs at one time, owned the Vikings, too. Mm. But we would go down there, and, dude, it wasn't just like he had, like, one zebra. It was like he had a flock, a herd of zebras, a flock of zebras, and a flock of gazelles. Like, it was unbelievable. But then he had a white rhino, a white rhino. What? An albino rhino? A white rhino, <laughs> yeah. They're not really white. They're, like, a light gray. Oh, okay. But, got excited. Man, it, is, it is truly amazing how the Stephen Nelson questions, no matter how random they are, they go somewhere always else. lead to a story from Chris <laughs> beautiful. Like that Wait, actually so, happened to him. Tell me about the rhino. Oh, they're, like, the most, uh, first of all, gigantic. I mean, they literally yeah. are bigger than any car we see driving around. The street, but they're, like. Bigger than Bevo? The way they run, they're just like this, and it's real smooth. You can't even hear them on the ground. It's just like, are they real? No great. head bobs. This is great. Yeah. You seem to ask animal questions only. That was a good route. And then they gave a bunch a of young kids, like, uh, cars that go around the. It's like a safari. Farm. Right. Which I wouldn't have trusted the guys on our team driving any car. <laughs> Were you, as a kid, someone who always looked forward to like, the, the zoo field trip? Uh, yeah, I was definitely an animal lover, still am. I mean, I'm only working here at Bleacher Report to buy my daughter a farm. That's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> yes. You and D'Anthony Thomas can run. D'Anthony, lo- he, like, he always is like, I want to have a zoo right. when I grow up. Like, my little girl wore overalls to school today. Like, she thinks she's a farmer. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> DJ Fendrick, spin that sh- Here it comes. Wait for the music. Here It'll be here. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I'm going to... Take it down a, l- a little bit somber news, oh. if, especially if you're a baseball fan this oh, week. Oh, I know, Yogi. The great Yogi Berra. Right. Passing away at the age of 90, 69 years to the day wow. of his Major League Baseball debut. Of course, a beloved for his accomplishments on the field. Ten-time World Series champion as a player, most of any player in history right. of the game. which is amazing. But also equally, if not more so, adored off the field for his patriotism. Yes. Participated in D-Day. And his personality. Yogi-isms. We know him all well. Got a phone call there. It ain't over till it's over. Yeah. What is your 
favorite yogiism? Ooh. I got a few. First of all, pull some up so you can be useful. I don't like that you I, sit over here. I have a ton pulled up. Good. All right. Uh, I like common sense. Ain't that common? Mm. Uh, that's a really good one. I think the one the one that always goes into my head is ninety percent of the game is half mental. Or what or is he saying? Ninety percent of the game is mental. The other half is physical. <laughs> yes. All right. I I have always found the phrase "it's deja vu all over That's again" really good to be genius because people use it all the time, not mm. realizing that they're repeating themselves. That to me, that that's is one that is so ingrained into our culture. It's deja vu all over again. And the other thing that I love was the story that's starting to come out more about when he sent the letter to Johnny Bench, and he said, "I knew that. I always thought that record would stand until it was broken," <laughs> which to me is great. But it's like he sent this wonderful letter to Johnny Bench, who broke his record. I always thought it stands until it was broken. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, Yogi. Yeah. And then my I know my parents' favorite one was uh if you you come to a fork in the road, pick it up. Yeah, take, take it. it. Yeah, take it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz either way you were getting to his house. What about right. you better cut the pizza in four pieces cuz I'm not hungry enough to eat six. So we <laughs> yeah, so we did a video with Ron Darling and did Cal Ripken. No, so at the end of the video, last night I was I was craving pizza. So I was like, guys, I'm having pizza tonight, but I'm going to be sure to cut the cut it into four slices cuz I'm not hungry enough for six. That one's great. Uh the we just agreed different is, uh, is pretty funny. We disagreed different. Well, no, we just agreed different. Oh, we just we agreed just agreed different. different. <laughs> yeah. He to me it's so funny because I read uh, the obit in the New York Times today about it. It's really obviously look these things are written well in advance. That's how these, I did a uh, a piece about Muhammad Ali because when he was sick, that's what these yeah. news organizations do. So they're very comprehensive. Because on a guy like Yogi, you don't want to mess up. You right. want to get everything in oh, there. Yeah. But to just read about how in the beginning he was treated like the dunce of baseball and that all these stories were done about how stupid he was and all the reporters would flock to him. And then they realized that he was actually insanely smart, dropped out of school like the eighth grade because right. he had to support his family. Mm. But his <laughs> just ability to connect with people, I think, is the reason. And it is not easy... Now that I'm here, there it, is. it is not easy to be a legend with the Yankees because every single number is locked up. Right. Yogi Berra, number eight. Yeah. That's his, one of the best of all time. Yeah. I think he would only, uh, you can fact check me on this, but I think he had only three less home runs than Joe D. Is which that right? Is, wow. Which nobody, I don't think anybody talks about Yogi in that sense. Well, Joe they, D's in the 500 club, isn't he? I think uh, it, it's Yogi's either, like 400. Is he? Is so he's up there. But the crazy thing about Yogi Berra is that his strikeout percentage was so low. Yeah, I know. I heard everybody saying that. He, like, he struck out like eight times in one year or something <laughs> like that. But the other thing, too, is he won 10 World Series. How many did he play in? That's, yeah, 14 I mean, that's as a player. 14 as a player, but two then, more or well, one then more? Well, I, I forget X amount more as a, as a coach or manager. Yeah. So God Yogi bless. had 358 home runs, and DiMaggio had 361. Wow, that's impressive. So, I did not realize impressive. that. Nice job. Yeah, like Nelson, Nelson always has the stats right. The news. I All right, one more music track. One more. As you guys know, I like to use this platform as an opportunity to rile you both up. And rile us up there, up buddy old house. Don't touch me. <laughs> touch me. Last week, USC lost to Stanford. Stunned by Stanford. Another baffling defeat for the Trojans and head coach Steve Sarkeesian. Saw it coming. Before the game, Will Farrell, noted SC alum, yes. led the team onto the field. Now, after the game, right. he challenged a 30-year-old fan to a 40-yard dash. Mind you, Will Farrell, 48 years old. Right. My question for you two, how would a 40 competition between you guys go? Well, that's the dumb question. I, well, 
You break it down, Chris Sims. Tell us. Uh, tell me how dumb I it would is. win at the start, the middle, and the end. So what's okay? Then what's the gap? See, but he's not ready for my booby traps. <laughs> yeah, I have loaded. I have course. loaded the forty-yard dash with booby traps. There's mouse traps. There's a dart gun that comes out around twenty-fifth yard. And also, twenty-fifth yard. Twenty-fifth yard. And also, I'm totally going to attach him to one of those like parachutes <laughs> that he doesn't realize. <laughs> and he's just like, "What is going on right now?" I am not, not going anywhere. Straight up. I okay, mean, this is legendary straight up, temple. How big? How much would you beat him by? Well, I mean, what were you clocked at? Do you remember? I, in the combine? Uh, I think I official was like four eight one. Oh, well, then it's going to be really close. Right. I mean, a four eight one. That's uh, a lot of What are you, an offensive lineman, Chris? <laughs> 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 no, would I he would break lose. five. What's that? Do you think no chance. No, he would no, not I break five. Let's go breaking five seconds. Hey, listen. Hold on, Fendrick is not allowed to chime in on this. Listen, I can't run. Absolutely, I can't run a forty in under six seconds. There's no way. Absolutely, is Cameron in the booth? Wait, first of all, though, USC are they shocked that they lost when they had Will Farrell? Freaking comedian leading them out on the field. Are they shocked that they lost yeah. with Steve Sarkeesian as their head coach? I don't know. Yeah, what's yeah, going I'll tell you what my forty time would be. See what Algie Crumpler's forty time. Dude, that's what was I, that's what I was going to go to. That is my Patrick, pro player comparison. There is I'm no Algie was a stud coming out of college. As was I. <laughs> now look, time brings us down. <laughs> Your ass still ain't as big as his. No. His is the biggest ass ever. Really? Oh, he had one of the all timers in in the locker room. What was it you like could literally put a glass of water and be like, Algie, just stand there for a second. I'll be back in a minute. And the best thing was my year in Tennessee with them. So I used to not like, I knew Algie for a long time. The Texas coaches were at North Carolina where he was at. So he would come out and work with us in Texas, uh, even in my college career, and he was just starting the NFL. Well, I hated playing against him because him and Michael Vick were a pain in the butt in Atlanta. Yeah. But I'm with him in Tennessee 2009, and his big issue that year is his wife's pregnant. And what does uh, that mean? His wife's eating a lot, and that means Algie was eating a lot. And Algie was coming in there on some Thursdays when we had a weigh-in. He's playing tight end. He was 290. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, his butt just got bigger by the week. I just looked it up. I got Algie 40-yard dash, 476. Oh, right. And what did he weigh in at? Wow. That's uh, faster he weighed than in Sims. At two, 266. Oh, my. 266. 6'3", 266. Me, he fasted for like two weeks to go at <laughs> Before he got weighed. <laughs> yes. That's incredible. Yeah, so I would beat you judging by the transition, transitive property of algae beating you. Right, right. Yeah, all right. I feel good about that. <laughs> uh, that's the second thing I feel good about today. The first one is, look, I haven't been here the last few days. I was in Denver hanging out with Vaughn Miller. It was a really good time. Um, I am beating you two, uh, oh, man. two weeks in a row in the pick segment. Right. And the cumulative week to week, like if you add them up, is not pretty right now. That's two it's games two back. Yes. Right. Oh, no, well, I'm talking about overall record, though. He's 8-2. and two, I'm 6-4. and 6-4. Six and four. Right. That doesn't eight look good. 8-2. Right. Invest eight and in Adam nice. Lefko's picks. They are delicious. 8-2, well, Our four. two differences, of course, I picked the Colts to actually win that game. Picked and Colts, I picked right. the Jets Wait, to beat the Colts. Did you guys, uh, Lefko, you were going with both of they... my losses are Eagles games. But Oof. if you're a gambler out there, I'm 2-0 and oh in the right. picks of the week. Shut up for a second. Did you, Sims, and Fendrick Lamar discuss the new stipulations you were going to impose? Yeah, right. First, what uh, first of all, you can't tell me to shut up on my own podcast. I okay? just did. <laughs> and Nelson, you just so you know, I earlier. haven't even told them what games we're picking yet this week. So oh, that's God. already... Yeah, yeah. Right. I have no f***ing idea. That's good. That's all right, good. what's the new stipulation? <laughs> that, that, yeah, well, we're, we're going to try to get your picks in by Monday so you can't plagiarize all that's, my thoughts. That's nonsense. <laughs> and then pick the one game that you know is about 50-50 and go the other way. Like, well, man, Chris has been talking good about the Jets and bad about the Colts all week. I'll take the Jets. <laughs> He's flustered. You have him flustered. This is nonsense. All right, let's start But off. I give you props. What was, our, what was the game you beat me on the first week? I picked Baltimore, the Baltimore-Denver. Oh, oh, you I picked, picked Baltimore Denver and I picked Baltimore. Man, those are two tough beats. Yeah. Yeah. 
Smart plays. <laughs> All right, so let's hear it. Five games. The first game, according to Josh Fendrick, will be. Fendrick, who's going first on this one? Uh, we'll go Lefko first okay. on this one. The Cincinnati Bengals, as Sim says, at the Baltimore Ravens. Bengals at the Ravens. Bengals. Bengals. CBS got on me about saying did Bengals. They, really? they did. Oh, yeah, there were a lot them. of people tweeting about Welcome that. About, that. Reports, about how you Bengals. couldn't say yeah. Bengals. All right, yeah. so Bengals, uh, 2-0, feeling really good about himself. Ravens right now, desperate, 0-2 at home. Bengals are the more talented team. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Desperation is a big I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now that I think the Bengals win this game and they move to three and zero and the Ravens go zero and three and are officially out of Super Bowl conversation. I'm willing to agree. Ooh. I just I can't from what I've seen on film and I, I was trying to point. I know no it was uh, I, I That's can't. That's crazy. The Ravens zero and three. The Ravens zero and three. No, you are willing to say on this podcast the Colts are not a Super Bowl team. Right. Can you say that now about the Ravens? Yes, I can. Really? Yeah. Thank God. Tell me about it. I was wrong. Uh, it just listen the the fact that they don't have enough weapons at receiver. Yeah. Uh, that's an issue. And then the defensive secondary, the defensive secondary. I think Haloti Nada might hurt a little bit, losing him. Wow. Jernigan has not been 100% healthy up, up front. But, uh, yeah, their lack of pass rush, they didn't really hit Derek Carr at all in the game. His protection was phenomenal. And the offensive line of the Bengals is a lot better than oh, the Oh, and the yeah. secondary is an issue. I'm sorry. It's not that much a safety play, but Jimmy Smith's solid. But Ladarius Webb has been less than average. And Will Hill's all the, fantastic. Will Hill, yeah. that's what I mean. The safety play is not bad. Okay. Uh, but it's the guys that actually got to cover the receivers is what I would. I almost want to go to the Ravens right now just to get the point because I, I just have a hard time thinking that Harbaugh and Flacco right. are not going to figure out a way to get it done. Are you done. switching? No, I'm okay. staying with the Bengals, but I would not be surprised. I think Ravens this is a really game. big game for the Bengals. This, this is the, the Bengals can be this – can, this is where you can be the Bengals this year and go – you know what? We're here. You better yeah. like it. Like, we might be first seed in the playoffs. Wow. This is their chance to do it this year. If it's they all going to come healthy, down to the Red Rocket. And just stay healthy. Just, so, you know, yeah. they've been injury bugged. The second game, Buffalo at Miami. Oof. Sims is first now. This is a really tough, tough one. I will say, if you're going to play Miami, play them right now. Right? Yeah. Is it still hot? Yeah, it is. It's okay. hot down there in Miami. Uh, I, I am going to go... Uh, he thinks I care about like what his eyes look like. No, I'm, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to pick the Miami Dolphins. I'm going to pick Tannehill. Uh, he's been playing really well, and I think that defense people don't realize have, is playing really well. What they about do, Rex versus Phil? That's a little scary. Don't get me wrong, uh, but I'm putting my trust in Tannehill. I do trust, and I was hoping you were going to pick Buffalo. I do trust Tannehill more than I trust Tyrod Taylor. Right, but I also. Like the fight of the Bills in terms of coming back, yep. and I think they have that reality check. Um, this whole Indomitian Sioux freelancing thing leads me to believe that there's a lot of stuff going on in this locker room right now. I guess. I, I think that locker room is, I just think a Philbin led locker room is weird. Um, this is why, and my dad made this point, I'll give him love. I don't mean to cut you off, but this is why sometimes you don't pay defensive tackles the most money on your football team. Because when you're going to pay somebody that much money, they got to lead the whole team. He's the biggest part of the team. They're giving you all the money. You got to lead the offense, the defense. You got to lead everybody. And I don't know if that's always in the nature of a defense. I trust Tannehill more than Tyrod, but I'm picking the Bills to go down there and beat the Dolphins. Okay. Is that our first one? Yeah. Ah, 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 that's ah. a tough one. Let's Chris go. Hogan. You are <laughs> up. And I wrote the Bills down twice. 
with the Lions game this weekend. Oh, gosh. Who are you, are you just making it up? <laughs> Lions, Denver. Lions, Denver. Right. Broncos. Right. Broncos. <laughs> Broncos. Is that what you wrote? I did. Okay. Lions, Broncos. I don't, even, I don't even want to talk about the Lions. <laughs> the Lions, to me, are just... What are they? They're Jim Caldwell, who's a lack of personality, and it translates on the field. They have no defense, and they've allowed two leads just to dissipate. I think that team has been floundering at like 8-8 eight and eight for three years, and this is their, oh, crap, we got to jump ship and get rid of everybody. You might, you might be right. I'm going with the Broncos, too. I think the game's going to be very close. Mm. I really do. I don't think the Broncos are capable of blowing anybody out. The Detroit um, Lions are the exact reason why I was happy with uh, with people that like are Eagles fans. They're yeah. like, Chip Kelly, why would you blow it up? You're 10-6 and six last year, and we didn't get to the playoffs. The Lions are like, ooh, Exactly year. right. I, you know, I wanted to bring that up when you said it. That's a great point. I mean, you got every year is about getting better. It's you got to get better. If you think you're going to stay the same, then you're getting worse. Yeah. Because everybody else is doing things to improve their roster. So yeah, and, you and, are right and about until that. I watch the Lions offense with Matt Stafford and go, wow, they're using Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson, Eric Ebron and Amir Abdullah and Joyke Bell and Theo Riddick at all, then I'll root, then I'll I'll pick them to win a game. But they're bums. You want to sit over? Come over here and sit uh, over uh, here. We got, we got two more games. Two more right? games. Come over here and sit over here. I'm good. All right. I don't like you that far away. Yeah, Fendrick Lamar. You yeah, it's like we're missing part of Fendrick our soul. Um, next game, Chiefs at Packers. Sim. Do it. All Tell right. Well, first Tell of all, I do. This is my upset alert. This oh. is my upset alert. Uh, this is my bet of the week too. If I'm, if you're out there, I'm two and zero bet of the week. But if you want to bet cash, what's the line right now? I, I think it's six and a half. I think the I Patrick think the Lamar. Chiefs will cover that. Other one would be to me is the Redskins, the Giants. Redskins are the underdogs. I would take the Redskins all day long. Uh, I am picking Green Bay Packers to win the game, uh, but I do think it's going to be very close. I think it's a really tough is matchup. Is the game at Lambeau? It is in Lambeau. Yeah. Tell, them, tell them your stats. So Aaron Rodgers, his last 18 games right. 40, at home, 38-0. 43. Oh, yeah, right. And no interceptions. Right. 33 touchdowns, no interceptions. 43 right. touchdowns, no interceptions. That ends this week. There you go. Madden says so, too. I, I would love simulation. to pick the Chiefs, and I think that the Chiefs are going to do everything you said. Right. But I witnessed the Chiefs play nearly a perfect game against the Broncos, and Alex Smith couldn't get it done. And if you think that Alex Smith is going to outduel Aaron Rodgers, you are out of your damn mind. I am taking the Packers at home, but I will say the Chiefs are one of those teams where if they get to the playoffs, they could be really, really dangerous. They because could. if they get any home games at Arrowhead, oh, Oh, they gotta be si- they gotta be sick this week too, and they had extra time they to prepare. Blew it. They had the Thursday night you game. Blew it. So, but yeah, they blew it. I mean, they almost I won. The- I'm not betting against the Packers. What I saw, Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdowns like this <laughs> and like rolling out like this. He's he whatever he wants. He's ridiculous. All right, last game. I think we might get a disagreement here. Leftco's Eagles on the road at the Jets. Yep. You go first. I'm already, I've already picked this game, so I'm picking the Eagles, just so you know. Yeah. I am. I just think the Jets are going to be coming off a nice Monday night high. They've had a short week. Desperation is an issue in the NFL, so I'll just throw it out there. He knows and I'm picking the Eagles. And you're not one of those people, many of them out there, right. who are panicking about Philly this year. No, not quite yet. The de- they just need to put it all together. They've had moments of being really good on both sides of the ball. Defense was phenomenal last cool. week against Dallas. I, I am going to say this right now. I appreciate him having confidence, it instills some confidence in me. If you're telling me that a team with a stacked defensive line, a secondary that thrives on man-to-man against an offense that can't get their wide receivers open at all, that is dedicated to the run with an offensive line going up against the Eagles D-line that is likely not going to have Cedric Thornton, right. and Kiko Alonso and Michael Kendricks are likely not going to play, I'm going to say that the Eagles start off 0-3. 
and I'm, I think the Jets are going to beat the Eagles. I am not happy about it. I'm mm. trying to be neutral and, and, and all that. Trying to win. I, I'm trying to beat Sims, and I'm hoping Chip Kelly is tr- – now, I hope Chip Kelly goes out there and hangs a 40 spot. I, I hope that so much. I just – I'm not saying the season's over because I think if there's one division that, I'm, that, that anyone can come back from, it's the NFC East. Right. But I don't think they're winning this game. And now I'm afraid about Washington in week four. Sure. They can lose – they can go on four. But I'm going Jets. So our differences are I'm going Jets, you're going Eagles. And then Bills, Dolphins. I'm going Bills, Bills, you're going Dolphins. Yeah, okay. Your team, Mark Cohn. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm very happy I didn't sweat at all this, ep- this you episode. You really didn't. Tina's, I didn't even fart or burp that much this, this episode. This is submarine rule. I mean, much, you're saying? You say you did fart, it's, but you're not telling me. Didn't make it over here. I just want to let you know that. Yeah. These are very absorbent chairs. Yeah. I thought we were done with the fart jokes when Larry the Cable Guy walked out of the studio. <laughs> no, I actually didn't fart. Not. I'll be honest, I didn't fart. All right, good. Because I would, I, I would try and make it. it. You yeah, would, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fedrick, you want to say anything to the people? I think I'm good. Enjoy week three, everyone. You didn't talk enough. I didn't talk enough. No, I we know. Did that not seems to be enough. a recurring theme. Dude, you're you. too far too away. Too far. Okay. Well, the old podcast. I know. We have I was a crappy we were on top setup. of each other. You were right there. I also can't even see his face. This is exciting stuff in here, though. So you know, sometimes we make sacrifices. Wait. Twitter question. What did my buddy Twitter? Oh, yeah, your I guy, mean, uh, I Will Riley, real quick. And I want a picture of a freaking hen behind your I, head. I can do that. Your guy, Will Riley, he says, why Jeez. don't uh, why don't you make the two-point conversion worth three and keep the extra point where it is? Oh. And then he also said, how is, uh, how is Chris Sims' hoop game right now without Ralph's help? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Ralph was the old man that always gets – nobody wanted to play with Ralph when we used to hoop it up in Boston. There you go. Uh, but – uh, no, I don't th- think that's a smart rule. But, uh, Three points for a two-point game. No, Will, Will's had better ideas. Will's smart. <laughs> He's a great sports fan. Um, but I do like Big Ben coming out and saying, yeah, we're going for two like all the time now. Well, and I hate the new rule altogether. It's just stupid. I mean, it's we're going to put it all on the kickers to make extra points to be the difference of the game. I mean, kickers go out for the first 15 minutes of practice, and most teams I was on, they went inside and played checkers or cards or whatever else. <laughs> but now we're going to put all the guys who are putting their bodies and lives on the freaking line we're going to put it in the hands of the kicker to make extra points. Uh, let me get a control room shot really quick. Everyone back there, let me get some love to all the people. Ho, ho, hey. ho. Oh, we lost. Steinmetz. Oh, look at the Steinmetz is like, where's Waldo in the back? <laughs> I want to say that I would say Hunter was my MVP of that shot. He just looked really dapper there. I don't even know who Hunter Hunter's is. Hunter's got fashion. Though. Who's yeah. Hunter? Stop it. You know, game, Which one? Game Short game. Hunter or Tall Long Hunter? Hey, look. Hey. Oh, there's Tall Long Hunter. Uh, Gabe, let me get a little wave in front. That's Gabe. Uh, <laughs> say something to the people. We're hey, li- people, I'll see you next week for episode 32, that Jim Brown style. That Ricky Waters style. <laughs> uh, Sims and Lefko podcast. Again, hit us up on Twitter, at Sims and Lefko. Of course, subscribe on iTunes. It's going to be on BleachReport.com. Check out the picks. Let us know what your picks are. And, and tell me, am I really cheating off of Sims, or is he just, you know, being a goof. No, you're cheating off me. I'm not cheating Plagiarize. off. Plagiarize. Susan Lefko out. Have a great day, everybody.